Next, we've got interface obsolete support. No clue what this is. Yeah. <laughs> Just got question marks there. <laughs> Boring. Yeah. Um, all this says is that interfaces can be obsoleted like other AL object types. So right. let's just leave it at that. <laughs> all right. Moving right along to uh, things that I just don't know anything about. January not only brings a new year, but it brings the promise of features to come in Business Central. That's right. The 2021 Release Wave 1 feature updates have been released, and man, oh man, are there some good ones. So, clear your schedule, turn the volume up, grab yourself a drink, and get comfortable because we're going through each and every feature. And then, right after that, the fun keeps going because we're going to tell you how you can download for free a pretty nifty little app for Business Central called Smart Comments. So here we go. Over 200,000 businesses running this. On the fat tire. Or fat tire, what did I say, flat? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if any of the operations that you're doing require the use of an outside processor or subcontract vendor, mm -hmm. that is not supported with assembly. Don't be afraid to talk to your partner. Today, we're drinking Arrogant Bastard Ale. Oh, ho, ho. I want to know why uh, Jim picked this beer over the other one. Because I really think it resembled, you know, my personality more than <laughs> anything else. Level three, Knuckles has been dispatched. <laughs> He's on his way. I think one of the benefits and detriments all at the same time is the visibility that it gave us into our actual data. Welcome to another edition of A Shot of Business Central and a Beer. Ken and Michael here for a shot of Business Central and a beer podcast, and it is um, a good day to say the less. How about you, Ken? How you feeling over there? Feeling great. We Doing have great. a beautiful agenda, beautiful <laughs> show on tap today. Jam packed. Yes. Gonna be a lot of good information. A lot of good. Uh, Looking forward to it. Yeah. But. One of the things to start, off, start us off with that I'm pretty excited about is Ken has brought in this beautiful beer called Orval, maybe? Orval, yep. Orval. A Trappist Ale. It is a Trappist Ale. I, I am very excited to try this beer. Um, I don't get really too excited for beers. Well, certain beers I do, but not for other wow, types. Wow, look at that head. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> it's a three finger three finger head they call that it's nice this beer is rated pretty high too so yeah it did, it's supposed to be uh, very carbonated it looks like it right Ooh, you can smell the smell the fruit tell me what you smell this has a unique smell to it wow. when, you, when you when you take that first whiff of it it's, it's different than other beers that we've that we've had it, it is really carbonated though yes really carbonated and that head won't die. <laughs> wow. What do you smell in there? I smell I something smell very specific. Specific? Yeah. A fruit. A type of fruit. Orange? I smell apple. You smell apple? Apple. It smells good. I'm not going to lie. It smells really good. Yeah. This is going to be a really good beer. Yeah. So this is, uh, I guess, um, there's, there's only six official Belgian... Trappist beers mm -hmm. made from six different monasteries. You've got some of the details on that. Yeah, so uh, 
from what I found on TotalWine.com is Orval is brewed unfiltered by Catholic monks at a monastery that was founded in the 1100s in the pastoral Belgium countryside. Um, Catholic monks is what kind of took me by surprise. I only saw that on TotalWine.com. I tried to look up to make sure it was Catholic monks on their website. I didn't see it's the word Catholic specifically. <laughs> so, But the first batch was brewed in 1931, and it has a 94 score on Beer Advocate. The number one rated Belgian ale. Yes. Of all beer, of all of them. I was under the impression that it was the number one rated beer on Beer Advocate, so I was very excited. <laughs> tried was to super do. excited. <laughs> and then Ken corrected me. <laughs> it's hard to get a taste, though, because, the, like you said, the head is so, so much there. Oh, yeah. Tons of carbonation. Oh, a lot of carbonation. I got, like, a malty. Yeah. Right. Did you, I don't know. Yep. I think that's because I'm getting a lot of the... That smell, though, is what strikes, is the most striking to me. Like, we're used to, like, other ales and things, and we get kind of like that grapefruity, citrusy kind of smell. This, to me, is more like an apple kind of... I saw a lot of things that said, like, a barnyard, uh, a barnyard smell. Yeah, I saw hay. Yeah. (laughs) So funky, funky barnyard odor. I don't get that, though. No, what is it? What is it about this beer? I think I think I saw you write it down earlier. The older it is, yeah, the, the better the, it is. Um, you know, the best buy date on here is usually like five years. So this one that we're drinking right now is bottled on April third, twenty twenty, which is, uh, yeah, what is that? Uh, ten, nine, ten months ago. Yeah. Um, it says it's it's best by April third, twenty twenty five. Wow. And and people have actually said that it, it actually improves with age. Wow. Well, my, my beer is a couple months older than yours, so. Is it? Yeah, January 21st. Oh, wow. Bought these together. It's <laughs> interesting. 6.9% uh, alcohol content, so pretty pretty strong beer, too. Yeah. It doesn't really taste that strong. No. I'm still waiting for the... The aftertaste, eh, like... But the smell is smell is really different, really unique. That the the carbonation in there is okay. is different. That bite kind of. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's but. really good. Um, yeah, I mean, if if nobody's ever had it, it is highly carbonated. It's almost like a beer flavored pop. Yeah, <laughs> it's how yeah. carbonated it right, is. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I saw I saw like uh, people referencing this is a bucket list beer. A bucket list like, beer. Yeah. So really? there you go. Chalk chalk uh, cross us off on your bucket list. All I've got left is skydiving from Big Ben. <laughs> <laughs> it's just about over for you now. Yeah. Now you've had Orval. Oh man. Oh, that's great. So pretty good. So. I think we're going to probably go into talking about some of the Business Central updates we got. And uh, we got a lot this week, I would say. Yeah. Just say the last. Yeah, we're going to have a full shot segment. And then let's not bury the lead. What are we, re- what are we really here for today? <laughs> so, uh, little Birdie said something about the release Wave 1 for 2021. The notes are out. Yeah. So we rolled up our sleeves. 
have some insights on that. Looking forward to that. That'll probably take up a good portion of the time. And then what are we wrapping it up with today? So we're going to wrap it up with our very own app called Smart Comments, which we're going to talk about, tell you what it is, simple to use. And to quote Ken earlier, it's it's beautiful. (laughs) It is a beautiful app. So, all right, stick around. Back for the shot of Business Central. And, uh, you know, we mentioned it earlier, but we've really let the cat out of the bag, so to speak. Today is the big day where we get to talk about the 2021 Release Wave 1 notes that Microsoft has nicely put out there for us. Uh, we're going to dissect all the Business Central information, the features, the functionality, and tell you what we think. You know, we spent the time doing it so that you don't have to. But before we get to that, we've got some other Business Central news that we want to talk about. And one of those things is that the update 17.3 for Business Central uh, was released. And I've noticed over the past week or two that, you know, some of the environments have uh, been getting updated and, and whatnot. As always, it has a lot of hot fixes that have accompanied, accompanied it. And um, also some pretty cool feature changes. Yeah, two new features. Yeah, you got a favorite? <laughs> um. Yeah, well, of the two, yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, one of the one of the, and so this is kind of a new feature that's that's being rolled out with this update seventeen point three is uh, using shortcut dimensions for financial reporting. Um, so if you have more than two dimension codes as part of your uh, general ledger structure, let's say you have three, you have four. Previously, to use those other those third and the fourth ones, you had to use analysis codes. It appears that as part of this update. Um, you can do financial reporting using any dimensions that you have set up as shortcut dimensions. Nice. And there's eight of those. Is that now your financials so, guys that are pretty big? So pretty it's big much. Deal? It's just it just makes doing those reports, g- generating those a lot easier, and, awesome. and and better better drill down capabilities. Yeah. Because you can drill down all the way to the source entries before you couldn't quite get there with the shortcut dimensions. Gotcha. Only the two globals. So. Nice. Very nice. And the other feature is restoring environments in Business Central Admin Center. Me, personally, I like this one. I think it's going to be used a lot uh, eventually. So what it is is administrators can now restore an existing environment from some time in the past, basically within a 30-day retention period. Um, One of the things that I saw that Microsoft said, though, is that an environment can only be restored within the same Business Central version, minor and major. So, does that mean if you got updated today to 17.3, you cannot restore? You can only restore to 17.3. You can't restore from that's something what so, That's what that sounds like to me, yeah. Yeah. Up to 30 days. So, it would kind of be up to 30 days available to do a restore point. Yeah, but it... But, According to this, it has to be restored within the same version. If yeah, so if in that la- fifteen days ago you got updated, you'd only be able to go back up to, to that 15, one. fifteen right. days. Yeah, so I was wrong. There's actually three new features as part of this. I missed that one. I got uh, four. How? Okay, there you go. <laughs> We're gonna keep go- keep growing the list here. Uh, the next one I've got is handle price list exceptions with allow updating defaults checkbox field. So what this allows you to do is it allows you to do um, exception-based pricing updates for customers, for example, 
um, with it with like a short short term date range, without having to build a whole new price list. So gotcha. I haven't gone into the weeds on what this does yet, but it looks like they're just creating more flexibility to allow you to build override prices for short periods of time for exceptions. Not bad, not bad. And the fourth um, feature update that I have is signal from web service key authentication added to application insights telemetry for partners. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea yeah. what it is, but if you know what it is, <laughs> hey. <laughs> so, I would say most users are, are yawning right, yeah, as, yeah, yeah, as yeah. you read that. Uh, but uh, we yeah. can put the description of it all in the show notes. <laughs> I think for, for partners and developers, that's something that may be beneficial um, but yeah. you know, f- to in order to capture more telemetry data about the system. Yeah. Um, but but from a user's perspective, I have a couple notes also on seventeen point three. They mentioned a couple of good to know things. One is that um, they previously announced that the basic authentication um, method, web service key access, was going to be removed from Business Central Online, and they've postponed that to April twenty twenty two. Um, because they were seeing that there were some integrations that they need more that need more wow. time to move away from the web service key ex- access. Wow, that's pretty good. So, a year, a year, another year for. So for anyone who is scrambling to replace their solution that uses basic basic authentication, you've got another year. Nice, yeah. very big. And then. Um, Oh, the other one was one you talked to about. Uh, oh, well, developers can now, uh, 17.2 and forward, actually, developers can do snapshot debugging to investigate production environments. So this is something probably more for partners who can now have better, they have better debugging tools to support Business Central users when they run into issues to diagnose what those issues are. Nice. Well, that's all I got for 17.3. Anything yeah. left for you? No, that's it. All right, now I also have couple little business central i want to call them general news things nothing nothing too crazy i heard that uh ls retail has been acquired by aptos uh at this point though nothing really should change because ls retail is still going to operate as a standalone unit and i might be late to this game but i just noticed this partners can download apps for customers now in the past you had to have the customer download the app and walk them through with a screen share whatever of the setup or whatnot we can actually now download the app and go through it for them. Okay. So it's pretty pretty good. And uh, I've got a couple here. All right. So uh, there's a few new Business Central learning paths available. Um, primarily, these are all for developers. Um, so uh, things like um, building apps, how to, you know, best practices for developing apps. Um, whether that's an ISV app or just extensions uh, and, and some other um, topics there. So, so if you're a developer for Business Central, there's a, I think it's about a half dozen different learning plans. Wow. And these are like courses or modules with multiple sections in them. Um, some of them are one section, but some of them I saw one was like seven kind of nice. separate sections. Are these all hosted on eLearn, do you know? Yep, yep, nice. yep on the eLearn portal. Another one is that um, anyone, I don't know how many people, how many users of Dynamics go on to customer source. Um, probably bus- new Business Central online users don't. Right. Um, but older legacy Dynamics NAV customers, maybe GP customers or SL, mm-hmm. probably had access to a Microsoft customer source site. And there was always a lot of information on there. 
it seemed like people didn't use it as much as they probably should have been. Yeah. Um, but they're actually phasing out customer source, um, and they've now pushed that back to February 15th. Yeah. So it's been delayed a little bit, but ultimately what they've done is they've basically just migrated all of that content that's still mm -hmm. relevant over to docs.microsoft.com. Yeah, I've noticed customer source kind of phasing out little by little too, especially with popularity within customers. You know, everything you can find now is so so quickly found on YouTube or a Google search or whatnot. Yeah. It seems that they only really have to go into it to you know ever acquire the customer ordering pin. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, one thing I wanted I wanted to touch on, um, and this isn't, um, I guess yeah, it is news. Um, so. If, if you've been out there looking around very recently on Microsoft's website, you may have seen or been reading through some of the release notes already. Uh, you may have seen some references to Dataverse. Mm. And if you're like me, you're reading this and, it, and it's just, uh, oh, you can connect with Dataverse. Like implied yeah, that you know I know <laughs> what the hell Dataverse is. <laughs> right. Right? So I did my Bing search what is Microsoft Dataverse? And it came back, basically, they have renamed the Common Data Service, which is kind of the backbone underlying database structure yeah. hosted on Microsoft's cloud that kind of connects all the different Dynamics apps together. Um, they've relabeled or renamed the Common Data Service to Dataverse. I find it interesting. Yeah. Because outside of partners, how many people really know what the common data service is? You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> I think, you know, the, the vision is that this is going to be more open to people to use. Yeah. So uh, if you have a developer, you actually could have access directly to your own organization's dataverse and put in your own tables and your own data that you can then join and integrate with your Microsoft apps and then build power apps for these or workflows. Uh, using those or just store them as a repository for your organization's data. So there's there's a lot. It's like, you know, kind of like, you know, blows your mind when you think so of all the different that you could do with it, right? scenarios yeah. you could do with it. But um, And they've also renamed some of the common data service terminology. So like they used to they used to call have a, a something called an entity and that's now called a table. Oh, really? Like most people would think of it. A field is now called a column, a record is now called a row, an option set is now called choices. Really? So there's some, they're kind of trying to standardize and simplify the terminology yeah. that's used as part of it too. So, um, yeah, so that, that's out there. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Anything else? I have a few partner specific uh, news tidbits. Um, so, and, you know, we, we know, you know, a lot. A lot of you know, partners, we, we encourage and hope that partners benefit from this as well as end users yeah, uh, or definitely. ISVs. So, um, you know, partner-specific topics. Um, so Microsoft has released um, an announcement that there's going to be new partner certifications for Business Central in 2021. Uh, so there is a, a cloud business applications SMB option. Uh, that's available if you are a small and mid-market cloud so mid-market solutions partner. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a specialty uh, that right. you can obtain uh, that's specific to uh, right. Business Central. And there's like a scoring system that Microsoft comes up with that has to do with how much 
different um, right. you know, experience you have uh, with so that. So these are all geared towards helping you attain those competencies? Correct, yes. Gotcha. Yeah. And then there's another, these are competencies effectively, yeah. So then there's another one, it's called Small and Mid-Sized Business Management Advanced Specialization. Um, and then a third one for low code application development advanced specialization. Hmm. So the last two, um, these are these advanced specializations. It looks like are are designed to to be in conjunction with a ERP gold certification. Okay. So if you have like a gold certification for ERP, these are like additional advanced specializations that you can get. Gotcha. Uh, for those. So there's information and in, in out on Microsoft's website about this and what it what the qualifications so are. So they're trying to help the that. partner kind of distinguish themselves from Correct. other people. Right. And which kind of might lead into one of your other topics. Yeah, so if I'm yeah, so a good example of that would be if I'm if I'm a, an end user, I'm looking for a business central partner. I believe you're going to be able to go out there and search on a filtered list of of service providers for Business Central, maybe that have attained the small and mid-sized business management credential mm -hmm. competency. Now, do you know if you can search for direct partners or indirect partners? I don't know <coughs> that, but but thank you for the excellent segue. Uh, so the last, well, I think the last little bit, of, uh, two more tidbits of news is that. Um, so and again, I don't know how much this affects end users, but 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 when Microsoft came out with the whole cloud solution provider model several years ago, uh, they came up with two types of cloud partners, direct partners and indirect partners. Right. The idea was that if you were a larger partner, you would be a direct partner, and that gives you, you, you there's a fee of course for that, and you have, to, um, you, you have to manage billing and licenses and all that stuff. Um, and provide those tools for people. Yeah. Or if you were smaller, maybe Microsoft was a smaller part of your business, you could be set up as an indirect partner and then you do your business through a direct partner. Right. Well, up until, up until now, partners have been able to choose either option. I want to be a direct, I'll hand, I, want to hand, I want to be a direct partner, mm -hmm. I'll do that. Now what they're saying is you need to meet a minimum cloud revenue threshold Right. in order to remain a direct partner. So, um, and again, that basically just means you, so, you as a partner have a direct line of communication mm -hmm. with Microsoft in terms of billing and support. Right. Uh, indirects do not necessarily have that. So they're trying to add a little bit of value to what an indirect or direct partner is, especially since, like you said, in the past, you can basically just choose whatever you want. Right. So what was the point, really? I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I think, I, think in the, in, I mean, in a nutshell, Microsoft saying, we want to be dealing with a fewer number of right. larger direct CSP partners yeah. and then have created this path for other partners to go this indirect route. Right. I don't really believe it's going to impact end users or, or Microsoft customers that much. No, not too but much. But it's, it's from a partner. If you are a partner and you are a direct CSP partner, you know, check your those revenue thresholds to make sure that you aren't going to need to transition over to be an indirect partner yeah. if, if you're a revenue. And that's happening this year. That's this right? year, yeah, upon your renewal, I believe. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then the last little tidbit here is that, um, so if you're if you're if you're running Dynamics GP SL NAV or AX or operations, right? Mm -hmm. uh, 
and you're and you're active on the enhancement plan. Um, they they announced that you you now can get a full investment license transfer credit for your software to move to any of those other products. So you if you're running hypothetically you're running SL, and you want to move to Business Central on premise, you're going to get a full license credit for the value of your SL software wow. to move over to Business Central on premise. It's pretty good. Yeah. Very Same thing, or you're running GP and you want to move to finance and operations, you get full credit for the value of your GP software for that. Just only for on-premise? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Gotcha. And, and I think, um, of course, we want, to, we want to, you know, people to be moving to Business Central, but actually it's from any solution to the, to the other solutions. Yeah, but why so, not go with the most popular European yeah, software coming, out there? Right? Yeah, of course, yeah. Go with the best, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Yeah, all right. So that, that's, um, I think we hammered through uh, all my announcements, all my partner-related stuff there. So um, let's roll up our sleeves here and then uh, get into the Jump 2021. All right, all right. Can't wait. Back for the release 2021 Wave 1 notes. I guess we could call this some sort of a uh, business central party. Since it only happens twice a year. Yeah, it's one of my favorite days of the year. <laughs> we got about 40 different uh, things we want to talk about. Some interesting, some fun, some boring. But, you know, nonetheless, we got to bring in the information because that's what we do. <laughs> well, yeah, you be the judge. Yes. We, we're not going to, you know, what's boring, one man's trash is another man's trash. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So we're going to kick it off with uh, starting with the administration area. The first one on what's new is you can reassign an environment from one Azure Active Directory organization to another by using Microsoft support. Uh, it's kind of self-explanatory, but you know, for example, if you have company ABC and you get bought out by another company and it changes to company XYZ, right. you weren't really able to change the URL and, and, and certain things about it for, yep. for the name. What kind of struck me about this is though, is that they had this in the past where you could use Microsoft and they would migrate from one to another. Yeah. I'm not so sure that this is migrating as it is linking. They right. use the term linking. Yeah. So it might be a little bit different. Yeah. And sometimes too, I think it's some or sometimes organizations just set up their business central environment incorrectly. Mm -hmm. And so you go, oh, well, we didn't realize we should have hooked this up through our active directory. Yeah. So let's do that now. And you can kind of just switch it and transfer right. it. Then. So Pretty, pretty big improvement. Next up, we got improve the reliability of the database export operation for larger da larger databases with more companies. Um, I haven't particularly seen this where you're exporting a large database and it, it, it times out on you, but I know the frustration of doing anything with software or computers when something times out as you're waiting for it, waiting for it, and it just stops. So uh, hopefully if it's an issue for some, it gets corrected. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a buzzkill too. Yeah, and this is really relevant for people who are using the Business Central database backup feature that they just came out with a few releases ago, like that creates the, the backpack uh, backup format um, when, when you had a huge database, I guess there were issues. So they're, they're working on those issues and nice. they're going to be resolved. And that's what we like to hear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up for an administration feature, we've got improvements for the delegated administrators. Um, me personally... I know that in the past we're not allowed to really go in and change like the user experience for for a customer or whatnot. So hopefully that's one of the things that that uh, 
gets changed here and you know there's another you know you can also it's going to change something with the setup and manage of the job queues yep which, yeah yeah so this is this is marked as one of my favorites on mm -hmm. the list today and and so you know a lot of times one of the areas that that we often have to help users with is setting up and managing what's called the job queues job queue is is how we automate tasks to be scheduled on a recurring basis and uh, uh, as a partner our ability to do those things was was limited because of how we are accessing the, the customer's environment so they've actually added more authority and, and, and access for us to do certain things on the customer's behalf. Nice. Ultimately, it just means that you can you can get better support and help from your partners. Right. Right. It's a little bit easier for the partner too then. Right. All right. Now we're moving into the application enhancements. Always the most popular. Yeah, you definitely you're especially in that mind. So you're gonna hear a lot from Kender in this part. <laughs> First one we got is new is the changes in synchronization between contact and customer. Um can describe what it is and I'll tell you my thought. Yeah, so this is, it's kind of like, this is one of like, it's kind of in the weeds. You know, when you set up a customer, you set up a primary contact, and then there was functionality in there that would kind of keep those addresses and information in sync. Right. Um, and, and, and that may not always be something you want to do, right? Um, so what this does is it kind of changes that relationship between the customer and the, the contacts. And it changes the presentation on the customer card too. So you can kind of see that the customer has an address and information, mm -hmm. and then you assign a primary contact gotcha. uh, to the customer. So in my notes, I have thoughts. Is this good that this no longer syncs though? I mean, is that a good thing? Overall, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think so. So just because you know someone's uh, phone number changes on a contact, that doesn't necessarily mean you want it to update on the synchronized record all the time. Okay, so, gotcha. Uh, yeah, I, I think it is uh, something like, you know, why is it automatically updating it over here when I update it over there? Um, okay. So I think so. All right, next up we've got the automatic creation of lot and serial number information cards. To me it's a good thing. It basically just adds an option on the item tracking code to where you can turn it on or off. Yeah. Um, if I had to guess, and I, I, I could go, go confirm this, but I haven't had time. Uh, this is a feature request through the Business oh. Central Ideas site yeah. that came up. So if that's the case, thank you, users. <laughs> and if not, thank you, Microsoft. Um, this is a dream come true for me. Really? Was <laughs> Maybe a little hyperbole there. Um, <laughs> Was yeah. it something found in that? It, it is. This is a huge issue. So take a company that does um, um, lot tracking, right? And they do metals. So when they receive in a coil of steel, for example, you have a lot number for that coil. But you probably also have some other information about it. Um, maybe some chemical properties of it, the heat number, some other information. Okay. Um, the lot information card, which is what this refers to, or it could be a serialized item, that's where you can add that type of information, store comments, add other fields. And up until now, the system did not, when you received in a lot of an item, it didn't automatically build those lot information records. So you yeah. couldn't track this other information. 
Now you check the box and say, yes, I want the system to automatically create a lot information record for me. Card and for it, me. it'll track it all. And now it builds that, so now I can go into there and track this other information. Wow. And it's, so for those companies that do lot tracking or serial tracking, almost always they have some other related information that they want to store with those lot or serial yeah. numbers. So, so this, is, this is, again, on my favorites list here. Nice, very nice. All right, next up we got assisted setup helps move the task of adjusting item costs to the background. Uh, my notes say that in the past, Microsoft suggested using job queue entries to move the tasks to run in the background to help increase the performance of Business Central. But I guess it was pretty complicated and, and, and kind of hard to do. So um, right. they're this, coming out with this then. And this kind of, in a way, ties back to the one about allowing partners to help set up job queues. Mm -hmm. right? They're saying, oh, turn off real-time automatic cost, just, cost adjustments right? Um, and, and go do it in the job queue. Yeah. Well, users didn't know how to go do that. Right. So what they've added is when you when you turn it off or uncheck those fields, set the field to never or, or uncheck the automatic cost posting, um, it launches a little wizard that walks the user through a couple clicks on setting up that job queue mm. to run the adjust cost process on a nightly basis. For nice. example. And this is all geared towards performance, right? Correct. Yeah, because every time you post a transaction that has to do with inventory, um, you can decide through the inventory setup, do you want the system every time you post something to run through the cost adjustment routine to make sure your costs are up to date and accurate? Or do you want to skip that step and maybe just only do it once a night? Because you really don't need it up to date throughout every day. Gotcha. Right? So, so yeah, it would, it would boost the performance um, and, and speed up your posting process. Because it's not running yet. Yeah. All right, next up. More control over settings for default dimensions. I am respectfully going to def to defer to the specialist, Ken Sebahar. Yes. So <laughs> this is another favorite uh, here. So my third, I think, favorite uh, that we've gone through here. And, and again, user community. If you're responsible for this, thank you. Microsoft, if you're responsible, thank you. Um, so here's the scenario in this, in this case. So... What you've been able to do up until now is define that a specific dimension code is required whenever you post a transaction, let's say, to a certain GL account. Mm -hmm. But you really couldn't limit the user to which values could be selected. You just say that you can't, for example, let's say you have a GL account called Warehouse Supplies. You could go into the warehouse supplies GL account and say, you must specify a department code when you use this account. But that was about it. And it would just force the user to pick one. Now, what you can do is you can say, yes, a department code is, is required when posting to the warehouse supplies account, but you can only use certain departments. Gotcha. For example, you can't pick the sales and marketing department because that doesn't make sense. The right. sales and marketing doesn't have warehouse supplies. Mm -hmm. So you could go in and say, only the warehouse and production departments are mm -hmm. valid department codes for the warehouse supplies account. 
That's pretty cool. This is something again we've been that people have been clamoring for for years. So now we have this control in place where we can actually restrict and make sure, it really eliminating errors yeah. and and people I, accidentally picking the wrong departments. I'm kind of surprised that uh, that's not part of functionality that has already been as are most as are yeah. most people when they hear that it, that's yeah. not right. Pretty crazy. Yep. <clears throat> All right. Next up. Define lot sizes for various stages of production. I basically took this as it's now easier to define, you know, the the lot sizes on different on multiple pages. Yep, <laughs> yep. So so you can say on not only on your routing lines but routing versions or the planning worksheet or production or routing itself. So on a per production order basis, you can say this is my lot size. So the the batch size, if you will, of, mm -hmm. of how many we we want to be we're going to produce here. All right. Um, so, moving right along to simplified bank statement file import, I would imagine this one might uh, make a lot of people that handle the finances pretty happy. So, you can now import CSV or .txt bank statement files, and then so what you can do is then map the columns to the fields in Business Central. Am I understanding it right? Yep. So at least in North America, there are there's no global uh, standard. Hmm for how a bank delivers an electronic file with, with transaction activity in it, right, for, right. for rec, bank recs. Um, so um, this allows users to go in and actually do that mapping based on these file formats uh, nice. by themselves. So, do, you, do you think there should be a global standard? Absolutely, right? That's I mean, it, why not, it, right? Uh, yeah. There should be a global standard for a positive pay file, an ACH file, um, yeah. bank statement, you know, file downloads, all of these types of electronic communications. Now, there are standards out there, mm -hmm. but what we found is that mo most banks have some sort of uniqueness to them. Really? Um, right, different file structures and file formats that they're using. So it makes it a little bit We're, we're marching right? towards a, the standard, yeah. but we're not there yet. Gotcha. All right, next we got payment reconciliation journal improvements. Once again, I'm going to defer right to Ken for this one. Yeah, so this, is a, this was a feature that was put out of, uh, maybe a, just a couple of years ago. Um, they're adding some things like enabling preview posting in the payment recon reconciliation journal page. Also providing a separate number series to track your transactions through here and user defined document numbers. Um, and, and then you can uh, select multiple lines to transfer your differences to a journal. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not sure how relevant this is because mm -hmm. I don't know how many people are actually using this feature. Um, so if I had to guess, not that many, at least not in North America currently. Um, but, but, you know, maybe I think down the road that'll yeah. be something that's... And again, as they make it more useful, and, and add more features to then, it, it, it yeah. probably will be more widely adopted. So what do you think about the next one up, bank reconciliation improvements? Is that more relevant? Absolutely. Well, everyone hopefully is be is reconciling their bank statements, <laughs> right? True. Hopefully, so, right? <laughs> hopefully, you know. And, and I think by, it seems, I'm, I'm going to tell you, every single release that comes out, there's, there's an application improvement for bank reconciliation yep. improvements, right? Yep, everyone. Because, no about it. because bank reconciliation is a difficult 
process for accounting people to do. Mm -hmm. So it has to be made simple. There's auto matching features, so it kind of helps show you what, how the matching is working. And one of my, the best things is, you can now, so let's say you create your bank rec and you actually post it. You actually now can effectively do a correction. You can unpost your bank rec and then redo your bank rec. Yeah. And that's huge, because up, uh, up until recently, or now, once you post the bank rec, it is posted. So that, was that part of the minor major release? Or it major, is, major minor? That one, I think, yeah, I think relatively <laughs> recently, yeah. <laughs> so they're continuing to, to, to improve the bank rec, and that's, that's, a, that's a great, great Definitely, thing. definitely. Yeah. Next, we got dimension correction uh, for GL entries, and I got here a new correct dimensions action on the general ledger entries page will allow you to correct dimensions on posted entries by editing the dimension value, adding new dimensions, or removing them. So what this says is you can now go to a GL entry, posted GL entry, and there's a new action to correct your dimensions. And right in there, you can go in and you can just change. Maybe someone posted that sale to the wrong customer group, which was set up wrong, or, mm -hmm. or a department or something. Um, you can go just edit the dimensions on a posted transaction. So you also can block corrections. Right? Or, so you could say, we do not want to allow users to go in and make corrections. Right? So you, so can, you can turn this off. Yeah. Um, and you can also specify that corrections must respect closed accounting periods. So you could say, once we've closed the accounting period, you no longer can go back and make corrections. So only in open periods. Okay. So Very, very nice. Well, we can all take a little bit of a deep breath now. We got through the application enhancements. <laughs> now we're gonna... What did I have? So we got the dimensions one. That was one of my favorites as well. So I had that. That's yep. one of my favorite changes. Uh, so we've got one, two, three, four so far. So four yep. favorites. Uh, I think these, those are major kind of <coughs> improvements and things that I know the user community has been asking for right. for a while. So next up, we're going to be moving into the area of better with Microsoft 365 and first up is support cloud printing use, using the new Microsoft Universal Print I do not know too much about the Microsoft Universal Print yeah. other than it's gonna allow you to send documents and reports to any of the printers that you have set up within it and you can print uh, I guess mobily <laughs> if you would yeah from your app right? yeah so so I think up until now there's been issues or you know limitations on users being able to select printers mm -hmm. when you're using the business central app um, and so what this does is this hooks up with a new microsoft universal cloud print service that where you can set up make you know, make your printers accessible mm -hmm. so that if i'm on my phone i want to print a sales order confirmation to the printer yeah you now basically can do that yeah. good feature especially with the more and more use of mobile technology in the world. Yeah. All right, next up we've got look up business central contacts from within Microsoft Teams. And as everybody knows, I love the integration between business central this is, and teams. Is this your number one? Uh, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. It's not, it's not number one. It's, I don't know if it, I didn't rank them in order, but it's, it's one of my favorites. Uh, so, you know, if you've ever wanted to make a call to one of your business central contacts while you're in Microsoft Teams, 
Uh, in the past, you'd have to switch from Teams to Business Central to get the contact information and whatnot. Now you can really just look up the contact information right from Microsoft Teams and, and make the call yeah. from within the app. So it saves time, makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, and that's, again, I think more and more people are using Teams. Mm -hmm. I was just having a conversation yesterday. We were talking about communication methods and, um, and use of cell phones. And I said, I'm going to be honest with you. I, you know, most of my time is not on my cell phone, even if I'm working remotely. Mm -hmm. It's through Teams. Yeah. I actually prefer it. I'm calling and working yeah. through Teams, right? I prefer it because, you know, you're working on your laptop and the phone call comes right through Teams. And it, when it's the phone, you got to kind of just stop looking at the screen. You got to answer right. the phone. Some people have to put headphones in and, and, and whatnot. So, all right. Next up. Enablement of word merge into business uh, central. So really what this is for is if you want to send a document to a bunch of people, you can kind of personalize the document by adding, you know, say the first name or the company name, and then it, it creates a more personal aspect when you send a document out. Yep. So this kind of restores actually functionality that has existed for many years within Dynamics NAV. Yeah. where you can create a, within the CRM, sales and marketing area of Business Central, you could create a, a campaign segment to target a group of contacts, mm -hmm. and, and you, you build your, your message in a Microsoft Word document. Yeah. And, and now, yeah, you, you kind of merge in the name, your salesperson name, and phone yeah. contact information. Whatever it may be. Whatever it is. Um, so, and, and again, I always use this, I will use this as an opportunity to trump, trumpet the availability of CRM direct functionality directly within Business Central. Yeah. Right? It's um, there and, you know, works for most companies, right? Yep. All right. So, done with the better with Microsoft 365 area. And one quick little tidbit about the country and regional areas that uh, Business Central is now expanding into India. Greece, Turkey, and Romania, I believe. So if you're in one of those countries, jump up and down because you got Business Central pretty soon. And that brings the total availability to 52 countries and regions. Wow. It's time for the stump Michael question. Oh, today. man. Oh, man. Of the four new countries mm -hmm. that are being available, you have Romania, Turkey, Greece, in India, which of these four localization solutions is a solu is a localization solution provided directly by Microsoft versus being a partner-led localization? Well, Ken, I do not know, so I'm going to <laughs> just guess you got out of the twenty-five percent chance. I do, I do, I do, I do. Um, I'm going to say. Greece. And I can tell by the look on your face I'm wrong. It's India. <laughs> it's India. Yeah. So so Microsoft is developing and supporting the the India localization. Uh, which on all four of these are built on the worldwide business yeah. central solution. The other three are just partner led uh, efforts. So. Full disclosure, I chose Greece because I remember years past they had used the island of Crete. For, for like a code name or whatever it was. And I guess it, it's some, Madeira. I don't know. Yeah, right, yeah, Madeira, yeah. So. Many of them, there's many of them, yeah. <laughs> oh, crazy. Or is I'm, that Italian, Greek? I think it's Greek. Cre Crete one, yeah, I think it's Italian, or Greek, yeah. 
Something about O for 10 and Stump Michael questions. It's good. Real confidence booster. <laughs> All right. Next up, we got, uh, we're moving to the Microsoft Power Platform area and enhancements. Is, uh, we've got synchronized item availability from Business Central to Dynamics 365 sales. Now, I know that I would imagine a lot of people who use Dynamics 365 sales with Business Central are going to love this because when you change something in Business Central item-wise or whatever, it's going to automatically show up in you know, D365 for sales. So if you're a salesperson and you're quoting something and you want to know if you have items on hand or whatnot, this should show exactly what you have in real time. Yep. Um, next up, we've got then the Enable Power BI connector to work with Business Central APIs instead of with web services only. So there is no more need to rely on web services only to integrate Business Central and Power BI because you basically can now use the Business Central APIs. And, and this is all about performance. So mm. the, 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 the idea is that the APIs will perform better. Nice. All right. Now we're going to go into virtual tables for the Microsoft Dataverse. And it's funny because in my notes, it's what is Microsoft Dataverse? <laughs> See, good thing we talked about that already. We did, yeah. I defined it and whatnot. So, but uh, this is one of your favorites. Jump on in and yeah. So, so um, what they're so virtual tables for for Microsoft Dataverse. So, first of all, just to recap, this is based Dataverse is just common data services. Mm -hmm. So, if you've been doing it with that, they've just renamed it. And um, I, I have this as one of my favorites and. The reason I do is because in, in previous efforts where we went in and we were trying to develop, uh, use power automation and, and power apps, we ran into some issues, limitations mm -hmm. uh, with, with, with integrating those with Business Central because we needed virtual tables yeah. for t in order for our solutions to work. And it wasn't supported. So we basically hit a roadblock. And Microsoft has recognized that and now has addressed it. So Pretty I think nice. it's going to, we're moving in that direction where customers, users, and partners are going to be able to do more in integrating the Power Apps, mm -hmm. uh, Power Platform solutions yeah. with Business Central for custom building workflows and, yeah. and other notifications. This might be a little bit off topic, but I'm gonna be one of the first to say that, uh, to me, Power Apps, in, or Flow, whatever you wanna call it, it used to be, it's not as easy as it's made out to, to seem. You know, you get in there and you create whatever, but there's a lot of connectivity issues and, and, and whatnot. Maybe it's my lack of knowledge for it, but even with simple things, I have issues sometimes with it. Well, well, right. So, so yeah, and and I think you know it's it's easy to to go out and uh, go out to YouTube and watch a video that shows someone creating a customer list page oh, yeah. on, on a Power App, right? Right. Um, but how about entering a sales order? Right. 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 Um, or doing a physical inventory count yeah. with lot numbers tracking. Right. Um, it, it, it quickly. The, the level of complexity Jump. quickly skyrockets <laughs> yeah. when you get to a multi-table situation or, or a situation where you have to use a temporary table. 
-hmm. or virtual table to store data that you can then work with and, and get to a result. So, um, right. It, it's called, always the easiest They call these solutions low-code solutions, <laughs> right? Not no-code. Right. They, can't, they can't go there. Um, but, but in theory, um, with low-code meaning that some of the heavy lifting background stuff is done automatically for mm -hmm. you. Um, but your business logic, it's still kind of like you need that developer mindset yeah. to understand how to write a query right. or, or a statement that marches through some commands. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, um, that's, that's when they say, when you hear the term low code, that's what that's in reference to. Yeah. Is, uh, still means take a deep breath. Look at what you're doing. A typical, <laughs> it yeah, might not right. be as easy as you think it is. Yes, that's right. YouTube's not helping you right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving into the modern client enhancements. Uh, we've got enable cloud printing on mobile app. And, uh, you know, this is for your phone and tablet. We kind of talked about it earlier. Yep. But uh, one thing to note is that you can also print from Microsoft Teams. Yep. Let's say you've got Business Central open in Microsoft Teams on your app. You can actually print from Teams to, to a printer. Yep. And next up, as always, client performance improvements. So to increase performance on the role center pages, the entire page is not going to load, I guess, as it has in the past. Only what you see on the screen is what will load. And as you scroll down, the rest will load. So initially, when you first get to that page, it should load pretty, pretty quick. Next up, usability enhancements for Business Central web client. Um, so I guess drilling down into most records is gonna be easier because I guess you can just double click the, the empty space and, and and drill down or open it up or whatnot. Yeah, there's, yeah, um, yeah. And then, you know, working um, the, on a when you have a reduced browser width or, or uh, you know, zoomed in screens, better, you know, better uh, look and feel. So these are just some little things that's like people are used to, right? When you open yeah. a list page, you just want to double click on that line and have so, it launch. So it'll yep. just, def whatever the default page action is when you, uh, on that page, it. when you double click on it, that's what will happen. Gotcha. So on most like list pages, it'll just launch, launch the card. Gotcha. Next up, users can change the assigned printer before printing a report. Um, Pretty self-explanatory, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and it says this is only applies to cloud-enabled printers. So this kind of gets into mm -hmm. the cloud printing solution when you're when you're in the app. Um, it's 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 kind of hard to believe you couldn't change a printer in that scenario yeah. beforehand, but apparently you couldn't. I, yeah, I couldn't tell you. I never tried it. I guess. All right. Next, we've got report API allows passing the layout needed for report execution. I will happily defer to you on this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you're generating the report, um, you could actually have different layouts available for that for the same report. Uh, there's a, a, t a table called report layout selections, um, and, and it's possible to have different layouts. So now they're saying the user, like for example, sales order, you could have three different sales order layouts. Mm -hmm. One of them is the default, that's the one that's always gonna print. This allows you to, to set that as you're print, actually printing it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and this is, this is one of those that I'm not sure how many people actually use multiple report layouts, right. you know? Um, for things like if I have an invoice, 
choose you just one. Usually, I have one it. invoice that I use right. across the board. So, but it's there if you um, need it. I yep, guess if you're using it. Yep. All right. Someone asked for it. <laughs> uh, next up, we got reports run in the background, so you can basically just continue to work as this system runs the report for you. Right. Yep. And then, um, so so what happens is then the report runs in the background because some reports. I mean, you know, if you have a fifty gigabyte database. And, and, and millions of tra inventory transactions. When you run your inventory valuation report, I mean, it's got a lot of data it's got to crank through, right? So mm -hmm. it's not going to be five seconds. Um, so what this does is it just kicks that report into the background. You keep working. Yeah. Who cares how long it takes now? Right. You're, what happens now, you'll get a notification that says your report is ready. And then it's sitting on your role center in the reports inbox. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. All right. And that's one of my favorites. It is one of your favorites. I missed it, yeah. Why? Because think about a t someone who's in the accounting department, for yeah. example, and they're, they're at month end, and they're, they have to run a bunch of reports, reconcile AP, AR, inventory, blah, 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 right? Run all these reports. If you're sitting there waiting for those reports to generate, you're just sitting there, right? Can't do anything waiting. else. I, mean, I guess you could have another session open, but um, yeah. this just makes it easier, and you're significantly more efficient Definitely. Uh, by, by doing this. Yeah. So next up, we've got return record link instead of name when using lookups. Um, I took this just to be as, you know, find what you're looking for easier because it's going to return more yeah. options I guess it actually has yeah it has to do with that find as you type feature okay and and how how the code is handling that to identify those records um, in, in um, I, I, making sure that the correct record is identified because okay. it's possible you could be searching and you've got multiple records that have the same name for example or description but a different number okay so I think that there were some funky results happening because it was not identifying the correct record. So okay. I think this is just one of those, let's just classify this under the boring category. <laughs> All right. Next up, I see we've got one of Ken's favorites, and that is the report extensibility. I also saw on the interwebs that uh, this was one of the more, more uh, popular features. Yeah. So yeah. you can talk about it. Yeah, so let's let's say um, let's say for example, um, you have that's just any report um, aged accounts aged accounts receivable report. Uh, so you you run your AR aging report regularly, and you request a change to I don't know um, add the customer email address to that report. Up until now, if you want to make any change. To that report, whether it's the data set that's used and the fields that are available or the layout, you would have to make a full copy of that report. And now in the copy, you make your change. Well, what that means is you're now running a completely separate report. Mm -hmm. So if in the next release there's a change or an improvement made to the base report, you're not getting it on your custom report because you had to make that change. What, what this now adds is the ability to build a what's called a report extension object. 
So you actually can make that change. You're still using the base report and you've extended the base report. So now when Microsoft makes changes or improvements to the report, those are getting inherited into the report you're running. So you're basically not taking ownership of it. You're eliminating yeah. the need to create custom reports gotcha. outside of the, the standard report structure. Nice. Right. Real nice. Very nice. All right. <clears throat> Moving right along, we've got extension validation on upgrade. And I have here see tenant upgrade failures before they happen. A new per-tenant extension validation service will be created that validates applications on different aspects. Pretty excited to see how that one works. And the key here is when are those validations done? They're done before. when the upgrade is scheduled. Oh. So, so in advance of it attempting to upgrade your environment, when they schedule the upgrade of the environment, it will run through all these extensive validations and, let you know and check for these potential issues and, and notify you at that point. Nice. So you're not getting to the point where your environment's gonna get updated and then you find out that you've got a potential issue. Nice. So. Next, we've got interface obsolete support. No clue what this is. Yeah. <laughs> Just got question marks there. <laughs> Boring. Yeah. Um, all this says is that interfaces can be obsoleted like other AL object types. So right. let's just leave it at that. <laughs> all right. Moving right along to uh, things that I just don't know anything about. Partners can add keys to base tables and table extension tables. This is the number one change and improvement for, really for me oh do explain so let's say that um a, a customer has a, a table um item ledger entries let's say mm -hmm. and they have a, a millions of entries in there microsoft delivers business central with a with certain indexes or keys on that table that allow it to crank, sift through the data very quickly. Well, let's say you wanna build a report that's based on those item ledger entries that uses a field that's not included in one of those keys. Okay. Right? Um, with, with, when you have huge, huge data volumes, without a key on that field, it takes a very long time okay. to run that report or a query or whatever it is. Um, and one of the significant, uh, you know, potential issues was that you couldn't add a new key to the table, to a standard table, hmm. because Microsoft's protecting that, that standard table. Now you could add a key on that new custom field that you've added that you want to now build a report on. Yeah, so the performance there. zips. Gotcha. And so now by being able to add those keys, this is one of the, in my opinion, one of the, one of the last potential points of resistance to moving to Business Central Online. Really? So what do you think is gonna increase speed for the reports by what, 20, 50% more? Oh, uh, no, it could, it could be thousands of percent really? faster. Wow. Yeah, right? You've added a custom field to the item ledger entry table called, um, I don't know, 
item group or something yeah. for some reason, and now you want to build a report off of that. If you had to go through five million ledger entries to grab that data and sort it and group it by your custom field, yeah. it has to continuously go through all these records. By having an index or key on it, it pre has pre-organized the data in the database in a way that it can Just pull quickly down. pull the data right off of there. Nice, yeah. nice. So, so that is... Uh, that, you heard it first. That's your number one. That's my number one. <laughs> right. All right. So now we're going to move into the onboarding enhancements. And the first one is improve the experience of getting started with Power BI. So basically to simplify users and, you know, their use of Power BI, uh, getting, Power, getting started with Power BI is now going to run as a wizard and take you through all the necessary steps to yep. set up and integrate Power BI. I think there was already a wizard. I think they've improved it yeah. and simplified it. Um, this also includes added guidance for those customers who are running Business Central on-premise. There's added guidance about Azure Active Directory registration. Yeah. Um, because you have to, that's one of the caveats. Mm -hmm. If you're running Business Central on-premise, to use Power BI with it, you have to have Azure Active Directory authentication yeah. set up. So. I think that's where the value really is in letting people know that. All right. <clears throat> Next, we've got a getting started checklist for guided and faster initial setup. Uh, I kind of have mixed thoughts on this one. You know, why set the expectation that the customer can do more and more themselves? Some can, most cannot, right? But, uh, you know, maybe it's good for them to have a checklist to work in tandem with the partner to go over it. Well, and I think I think you're exactly right. And and if you if you parse out the description of this carefully, I think um, I think you're exactly right. So it says the getting started checklists allows partners to bring checklists to the customer that enable the customer to complete the last mile setup by themselves, not to depend on a consultant partner. So these are tools that partners themselves can build yeah. for their client bases to help them get it up and running more quickly. So, so if you have control over it, so, so you can, yeah. those are provided by your partner. So you have to rely on your partner for <laughs> it, right? Okay. Now the, it's it's a tool that the, your partner can can provide to you that will re ultimately need you to to use less consulting services, mm -hmm. but you have to be engaged with your partner, right, um, in the first place, right, to to get that getting started checklist from them that they may have developed, um, and also, but I, I do completely agree. I think that it's it's a little dangerous to to to, to imply. That, it, yes. that you can get completely up and running and live without the assistance of a partner. Yeah, and I mean, we all know this. The way Microsoft seems to market Business Central is it's relatively easy to use. You can you can set it up yourself. That seems to be the perception from a lot of people that, that we kind of talk to, right. which is kind of bad to have the perception, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. So I hopefully mean, this isn't adding to it. Yeah, and, and is it possible to get started up and running on, sure. on your own? Of course. Yeah. And, and, and no one's going to dispute that. However, the majority of people are not right. going to be able to get the system up and running 
with their with it configured and set up with their business processes defined right. in a way that allows them to operate efficiently without someone who understands and has experience yes. with doing it. Exactly. Even if you're tech savvy or have tech savvy people at your company, you don't have the experience of the actual software. So all right. Next, we've got in-app contextual help improvements. Once again, could be bad or could be good. Uh, anything that helps, I guess, the customer learn and whatever is a good thing. Yep. But so I'm picturing these. You know, there wasn't very much information on these, but mm -hmm. you know, visual aids um, that can be authored by partners who want to put those in apps. But um, um, visual aids to help call out new features and how to get started using them. I'm guessing these are like notifications and messages that are going to pop up on the on the yeah. on the ribbon that that kind okay, of prod people right, to yeah. check some new features out. Yeah. Uh, All right. Last but definitely not least is improved company setup experience. Um, you know, I, I didn't think it was too difficult before. I guess if you're just creating the company so I'm interested to see yeah how much more simple it can be right not many not many details here no not at all um, but yeah to your point there is an there is a kind of initial company setup wizard right uh, they can put into place um, my, my own personal opinion I, I it's a it was is a great start I'm looking forward to this because I think that could have been expanded so much more there's so much more potential for walking through that. Oh, so you're saying add more things to the wizard. Yeah, like I what about you. setting up your payment terms, your yeah. shipment methods, your shipping agents, okay. um, right? Get, make sure your users are all set up in there. I mean, there's a there's a laundry list of, of, of potential topics and you know paths uh, you could guide the users down uh, when they're setting up the system to make sure it's all set up right. Nice, nice. Well, there you have it, everybody. The 2021 Release Wave 1 Features Overview presented by the specialist Ken Sebahar yep. and the not-so-specialist wow. <laughs> Michael Chavartolo. Come on. <laughs> You're being modest. Yeah. Um, no, and I think, so if I could kind of recap all of these, um, I think that the, 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 the total number of new features mm -hmm. or, or changes is lower yes. than in some of our prior uh, major yeah. releases. But in terms of features and functionality that's being delivered, it, it, it's at least, uh, especially in the application area, yeah. some of these new features and things, again, the, 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 the little things that users of, of Dynamics, Business Central, have been asking for for years. Right. Are, are now just, they're turning those into standard features. And I think it's because of the, the user community and the Business Central Ideas site, mm -hmm. where people are going in, they're putting suggestions and people are voting on them. Yeah. And Microsoft is listening and turning those into valuable features. Right, so hopefully they've got the software to the point where it's running really good, and it really is running really good. So now they have more time to focus on the features that, that other people want. Right. Plus, I think going forward, these major releases, you know, release wave one and wave two, might not have as much features if they t intend to put more feature releases inside the the minor updates. Right. Because we saw, I think it was 17.2. Mm -hmm. It had a lot of feature updates or whatnot. So yeah. it's kind of taken away from 
you know the wave one and and, and whatnot but yeah but this is a there's a this is a great set i mean some yeah. of these that were on here are, are, are i mean i was you know i don't know how maybe it's maybe it's sad or or strange but how excited i was to see <laughs> To see <laughs> some of these things, <laughs> whatever anybody like, says to mention, you like, light up though. What a nerd, you know. Like, <laughs> no, oh, a lot of information. Here smile. Yeah, <laughs> bring it on. You know, uh, but 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 when you do this every day, and and I know that we've got things that excite you. You know, we you know, you've got hundreds or thousands thousands or hundreds of users that you know who every day are using these things, and that these are things that they're going to benefit from. Yeah, uh, that's exciting. Definitely. Well, all right, everybody. Next up, we're going to dive into Solution Systems' own Smart Comments app. Welcome to the Featured Apps segment of the month, and this one is kind of special for us because it is an app that we developed and we're going to be making exclusively available to you podcast listeners. We'll provide a link and everything in the show notes. Um, what it is is we're calling it smart comments and it really uh extends the standard customer comments vendor comments and i guess you could even add comments to items item comments the functionality would allow for selected sort of comment records to be displayed as smart notifications um to the user during creating you know documents or or whatnot Um, some of the key benefits you can improve customer service by notifying the customer service team on key information related to customers ordering preferences. You can increase sales by advising customer service on optional order quantities, shopping options, or add-on services often chose by the customer. You can even reduce freight costs by alerting the purchasing team to a minimum free freight requirements or other preferred shipping options. And I have to tell you, it's extremely easy to use, extremely easy to set up, and uh, I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's it's really good, I guess. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's. Um, I think and there. This isn't certainly the only app that does, but it's just simple elegance, right? Like the ele- the ele- the simplicity is the elegance. Right? Yes. It's it's. Um, I mean, it's simply adding a checkbox when you go in and you add customer comments. Mm-hmm. Um, you can flag certain comments to pop up and be displayed to the user as smart notifications when they're entering a new order or a new quote right. for the customer. Um, and it really ties into the whole Business Central theme. It, 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 it works with the notifications that Business Central already has basically yep. created. Or yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you may go in and you create a sales order today and it says, hey, there's a notification, the customer's over their credit limit or they have a past due balance. Mm-hmm. Well, this just appears right in that same space and you can click and view the comments that are flagged to display to the user nice. uh, when they're entering that. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, it's not going to be available on AppSource just yet because we want to make it, like we said, special to you know, our podcast listeners. Or uh, we're going to be running some banner ads in the Dynamic Communities BCUG yep. uh, forum. So we're going to make it available to them. And uh, you know, so what you do is you just click it, give us your information, and in, in, in the uh, the web page, I guess, or so to speak, and we're going to email you the the uh, the downloadable app. Yeah, you want to call it? And yep, app file. App file, yeah, and then install it, and it should work easy. Yeah. So what I mean, you know, kind of just to follow the best practices, 
of, of app installation, right? We would suggest you create a sandbox, or maybe you already have a sandbox environment available. Um, once you get the smart comments app file, you log in, go to extensions management, uh, do an upload extension. It should upload into your uh, BC online environment. Um, and then you'll just, when you go into the comments, you'll see the, the new notify field. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and away you go. Yeah. We'll also add a, a link in there, which details a little bit more information about smart comments. We'll put some some screen pictures and screen captures so you can see what it looks like and, and things like that. So good to go. I'm excited. It's going to be one of the best apps that anybody's ever downloaded. <laughs> oh, don't set the bar too high. <laughs> I've got to. So speaking about setting the bar too high, what do you think about this number one uh, beer that we're drinking here? This uh, Orville. Um, you know, it, it it really, what it does for me is it, it, it brings home the point that uh, beer is personal. Yes, like, 100%. What, you know, what you love... I'm what you love. appreciate is yeah. very different from what I love and, and I appreciate. Yeah. Um, I think some of the other, we've had a couple like Pilsners and, mm-hmm. and, and Belgian um, beers recently. To me, those, I like those better. Yeah. Uh, we had a Carlsberg. Yeah. Um, what else? We've had, we had, a, we had a, I forget what other one. We've, we've had some, yeah. But to me, it's, it, it's uh, I, I, I've enjoyed it because mm-hmm. it's, it's unique. Right. It's it's uh, it's definitely the, the again the aroma and the effervescence yeah. of it I think is unique. Um, I, I don't know if it's it's the best beer I've ever had. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you 100. percent So when we first poured it, the aroma, the carbonation, I liked it. Was it gonna score at 94 and give it a number one rating? No, I'm not. It's it didn't it didn't hit me like that. Um, I'll tell you what, though, I've, I've been drinking it kind of slow towards the end here just to see what happens, and the carbonation kind of does go away a little bit. It becomes a little bit smoother. The aftertaste is a little bit more bitter. So if I had to rate this beer, 85. Mm. Uh, 89. 89? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, yeah, I think, it's good, but not the best. Yeah, it's tough, like, and especially when, you know, you don't know where have these bottles of beer been, where were they stored, how have they aged? Right. You know, right. Um, now that it looks like they're relatively fresh. Yeah. And it says it's good for five years, which is interesting to me. Right. I mean, some, I mean, you ever, I think though it has to be stored I, on the website I saw, stored between a certain temperature. Okay. No light. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I've, 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 um, I've opened a beer that's been sitting in the fridge for maybe a year or yeah. more. And you you can tell really noticeable it's, it's, taste oh, difference. Yeah, yeah. It's, is it more it's, flat or it's, it's just garbage? Yeah, I mean <laughs> it's, it's like bad. yeah. Piss? Can I say piss? Yeah, why not? <laughs> um, no. Yeah, you, no, you notice. Um, so I, I think that's really intriguing that it that it says it's it's good for up for up to five years. Uh, maybe yeah, that's part of the ma- your, part of the magic of it. Maybe yeah. I saw some of the reviews where they were drinking it and it was four or five years old. So yeah. So yeah, good good beer. I'm glad we tried it. I enjoyed it. Good experience. Definitely. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, you know, as always, share this podcast with your friends. Go to the show notes to get your link to download the Smart Comments app for free. I don't know if we mentioned it was for free, 
But it is for free. Free, free. yeah. We're giving it away for free. A free app. Yeah, and not only to the first hundred people. <laughs> to <laughs> it's anybody. anybody. Exclusively. <laughs> yes. To exclusively. anyone who asks for it. Exactly. That's so. right. All right. See everybody next month. Bye.